Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today we're talking about Dark. We're into Season 3, Episode 4 at this time, Life and Death. And I'm here with your recapper. She's from one of my stories. She's my co-host, and she's the host of one of my stories. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy there, Steve. And I think we've had a little bit of a time travel situation because we did oh. Episode 4 last week. This week we're doing... Episode five, not four. Did I, not say, did I say episode four? I could have sworn yes. I said five. <laughs> the editor will tell me. <laughs> well, I got the title right, didn't episode I? Episode five. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this, uh, I, I guess I'm flabbergasted because this was a pretty flabbergasting episode. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think like on the surface of this one, it seems like to like the casual dark viewer if there is such a thing like you know it's it goes through all the same tropes of like people talking in a room and saying words like time travel and cycle and noah and it looks like just an old regular old dark episode like that follows that formula but no this one really i think requires a rewatch like not just a recap podcast like ours <laughs> but a rewatch because so much interesting stuff is laid down in this episode that is uh, great for rewatches. This is like a real uh, ear turner, <laughs> an ear burner. That's what that's what I should say. Like my ears were perking up a lot since I've already seen the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the episode title is Life and Death, but we did have a comment on the written recap that mm-hmm. hey, it's mostly death. um this is probably one of the heaviest emotionally heaviest episodes of Hmm. the whole series we like to talk about season two episode six being like Mm -hmm. one of the happiest and one of people's favorite episodes and this is up there with the episodes that make you want to give up sometimes and maybe (laughs) you know you think about not finishing the show at the end of this episode because it's so heavy altogether Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad assessment. Like I remember you felt the same way about season two, episode 10. Like you felt that one kind of like left on a real bummer of like, not a bummer, but you know, it left you in a kind of a state of hopelessness is what you said at the time. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. This one is, but I, I, I think well, this, this one is, does you like, know, this one, like it has mm-hmm. some similarities to that episode, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit, yeah. I think there is some mirroring happening here. Um, I don't know. I th- this one fascinated me, though. It, it, I thought it was. I don't know. It didn't bum me out as much as that as that previous one did. Um, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with this episode. I don't know. I'll, I'll oh. talk during the recap, but I thought a lot of these a lot of these scenes, like even the heavy ones, were just like a lot of fun. Um, this was this was. To quote the uh, the meme that I saw earlier from you, this this was not mid. I mean, this was this was lit. <laughs> this slapped. I mean, this was, you know, I'm not spilling the tea here, but. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. This is actually one of the episodes I've been looking forward to covering the most just because it mm. is the heaviest. And, you know. Mm-hmm. I like my bleak things. <laughs> Otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be watching the show. So <laughs> I like it. But in the same, at the same time, I think it's really heavy. And I know some people have said it has one or at least 
two of the most trauma traumatic scenes of the whole series as well in one episode. Yeah. Like some people would put them in the in the scene like think scenes I only need to see once. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, For me, it might be um, the white devil, like some of the scenes in the white devil. I don't really care to see again. I don't care to see um, Egon die again. (laughs) I I thought that Mm -hmm. was a tough scene to watch personally. Um, Yeah, I think the only other the only other episode that maybe ended on was quite as traumatic as as seeing like Ulrich bash Helge's head mm-hmm. in with a rock. That's well. a pretty dark one, but that's only one moment in in an episode. So there's there's a few True. like proverbial there's some literal and proverbial rock smashing in this episode. So <laughs> I think <laughs> there's just a lot a lot going on in this episode, but I, I I really can't wait to talk about it. It is one of it is one of my favorites, but it's also pretty heavy. Well, wait no more. It's Monday night. <laughs> it's eight o'clock. Well, not to the listeners, but <laughs> here we are. Before mm-hmm. we get started, though, I did want to say a couple of words. A couple of words from our sponsors, Lindsay. Not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's December now, um, and a lot of podcasts take breaks during November and December, and we were planning on going through, but we're probably going to miss a week or two um, in the next coming month or so, but I'll still be releasing weekly episodes. I think there'll be a couple that Lindsay won't be on, but I'm having, I'm very happy to announce this. I'm having a surprise guest come in to watch Dark Season 1, Episode 1 with me. And this is person is my sister, Vicky, who does not like shows like this. She does not like bleak shows. Um, and I do not like shows like reality shows like The Bachelor and Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> um, and she adores those types of shows. So I agreed to watch one of her shows if she would watch one of mine. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be coming on um, in the next coming weeks. And we'll compare and contrast our um, we'll do like a a tete-a-tete of, uh, um, of American and German cinema. And uh, I'm, I'm, looking for, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm happy my sister agreed to do that with me. And Corwin, um, you might have heard me talk about Corwin, my Wheel of Time new buddy over from the Marshland Media Network. Um, he's the host of This Movie's Gay. And he just finished the 14th book of the Wheel of Time series. Uh, he just texted me like two nights ago, all excited, and so I'm going to have him on the podcast in a couple of days here while he's still fresh in his uh, <laughs> in his vigor from finishing this series. And we're going to talk all about it. And I'll probably release that episode um, in the coming in the coming weeks, not immediately. Um, but I'm looking forward to these uh, these new sweeties coming on to the podcast. <laughs> well, that episode <laughs> with your with your sister sounds fascinating. I can't wait. I think it's going to be one that we're all going to enjoy. I, I, I beg you to listen to it as well, Lindsay. I think it's just like I told our listeners that listening to your episode with your friend and y'all discuss the mission, this will be like a similar boat. They'll get to know me a little bit um, through my sister. She'll confirm some of my stories and, I'll, and we, ha- we have lots of TV experiences to, to talk about. We shared a lot of mm-hmm. TV and then we diverged a lot as we got older. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but Hey, we're, talk- we're talking TV, too. So I want to go ahead and get started with our recap, Lindsay, if we may. Are you ready for it? 
I am season three, episode five, Life and Death. And I will say it's been a cold, rainy day in mm -hmm. Durham, North Carolina today. So I'm really in the mood for an episode <laughs> dark. So here we go. Exactly. <laughs> it's raining in 2020. A figure in a raincoat drags a body wrapped in plastic to a freshly dug hole. Hellgate. Hey, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is a <laughs> sight we've seen before. A person in a raincoat dragging bodies around. So <laughs> yep. we never know who it's going to be. But this time it's Claudia Tiedemann. Mm-hmm covering a body with dirt and marking the grave with a cross. Her task finished, Claudia's face crumples as she grieves at the graveside of Regina. Until this moment, she busied herself with the task of efficiently crafting this burial site. Mm -hmm. A voice says, why do we die? Could we escape if we knew when to expect it? It is the time, is the time of our departure predetermined our dying part of an endless clockwork. We all have one truth in common. We are born and we die, no matter what path we take in between. So in the mood there, is, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're introducing the theme of the episode, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> the title of the episode right here. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think when it starts with the question, why do we die? <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> this is this is going to get into it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's more scenes to come here, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts here about seeing oh. Claudia? Oh, like yeah, Burry and Regina here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I liked how you pointed out that you know now that like she was busying herself with making that grave nice and perfect and doing her thing, but then like facing the reality that she's gone you know, that's, that's, it's touching. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say that the eulogy that the narrator gave <laughs> Regina afterwards mm -hmm. wasn't exactly touching. Um, but I do like what's coming up next, which you're getting ready to describe is like, I, I love when dark does this, they do the split screen. Um, I'm just a sucker for it. Give it to me every time. So, <laughs> so let's well, get into before, that. Before we go into that split screen, oh, sure, um, sure. what struck me about this beginning is last episode, we didn't see Claudia at all. Um, hmm. She okay. the, the death of Regina happened in episode three. So that's when we oh. saw Egon come and smother her with a pillow. So they sort of Not left. Not Egon, Trant. Got to jump Trant, in there. Yes, sorry. <laughs> that would be something her grandfather um but <laughs> you never know in dark <laughs> yeah we saw Trant, but that was uh episode three so sometimes when you're doing these episodes one at a time you kind of lose lose the plot and i was like oh they they sort of left claudia and regina for an episode because the whole last episode was about the origin and it was right. we had more about like hannah and egon and more about Jonas and Marta. So, but yeah, it was um, just seeing her sort of bury bury the daughter that she really wants to save. It's it's a sad image, poignant image, and the thing is, she's been doing everything. 
that she's been doing so that Regina can live. And here she's burying Regina. So it would be easy for her to give up yeah. hope. Yeah. All right. So then we have the split screen contrasting the realities happening in two worlds. The worlds are different, but the same. The ramshackle grave marker in world one contrasts with the carefully constructed one in world two. So mm-hmm. in world two, Regina has already died from her cancer yeah. and there's a real <laughs> grave that was purchased instead of this one that Claudia hey. had to put together. Claudia's grave is a real grave too. Take that back. <laughs> I didn't say it was. It's just ramshackle. It's but it's beautiful in yes. its own way too. It's made of <laughs> looks like chalk and wood and yep. But yeah, kind of like the old in the olden days. This is what they had to do. They didn't have time to to do. If you were on the if you were like Little House in the Prairie, someone died right. on the way to your new home. This is what you did. Yep, that's true. So in World 1, Elizabeth and Peter survived the apocalypse in the RV. In World 2, they live in comfort. But either way, Elizabeth feels adrift from her family, and Mm -hmm. we just see that in her face. Then in World 1, your lady, Katerina, (laughs) sits in Mikkel's old bedroom (laughs) and holds the photo of Mikkel and Inez. And in in World 2, Katerina looks numbly at her family photo where Ulrich's image has been torn out, a visual reminder that her family is torn in two. Yeah, these are these are just the neatest. I don't really have much else to add um, other than that I love these split screens and that's maybe like 15% of the reason I love Dark is <laughs> just that device itself. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the like, Katarina's family is is a broken family in either reality, even though yeah. she has all of her kids in the in the one world, but it's still it's either way she's not happy. Right. So I, I way, think that's go ahead. I was just gonna say it seems the same uh with Peter as well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like he's in in his own skin in either world either. Yeah, even though he got to hang out with uh, Benny in the church, you know, he's not he's not happy either because he's kind of living two lives. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, so then we have the title credits. And we are in 2053 World One. Decayed bodies hang from the trees. Adam speaks to Charlotte. Your path will always lead you here, to Elizabeth, to me. Time plays a cruel game. Have you made your decision? One more day, and we can untie this knot once and for all. Adam wants Charlotte to do her part of the work, the the thing only she can do. We don't really know what that is. (laughs) Charlotte looks uncertain. She turns the finger back at him. Will you see it through? Adam affirms that Eva will never achieve her goal and that world doesn't deserve to be saved either. We don't know what either of them means at this moment, but (laughs) I do enjoy that Charlotte flips the script and puts Adam on the hot seat. But rather than answer her question, Adam points the finger at Eva. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. But I, I, I hate to admit it, but you know, Adam has done quite a bit for like his part 
quote unquote, in this whole time travel scheme. He, he's, he's, he's played a pretty big role, I would say, <laughs> as the mastermind. Um, but I think it's cool that Charlotte's important. Her importance in the show is like coming to the forefront now. And we're not exactly sure what it's going to bring. But it's, you know, Charlotte's being moved up in importance. Whereas before she was always worried. She was the interrogator. Um, we get to lot mm-hmm. we get to know a lot more about her this episode. Well, that's totally true. She's <laughs> you said she's always played the interrogator and she's doing exactly the same thing here to Adam. And I <laughs> yeah, love that. Right. It's like a but a lovely bit of character consistency. I mean, Adam to everybody, he's always making these crazy speeches and then people get really mad. Jonas always loses his temper and starts like screaming that I want this to stop. (laughs) And Charlotte's just calm and just says, well, what about you? You know, she just, she's not answering his questions. I like that. She's like, yeah. Um, Let's see. You could see like in the background, some of those trees had like those, those giant like tree burls. I think they made like a, I think they showed those kind of on purpose. Because are you familiar with what those are? Like when you see the tree and it has like a big, like a pregnant belly, it's called a burl. And it's just where um, tree roots and tree like stems have just gotten like all knotted and entwined in each other right there, creating like this big, like on the surface, it appears to be like this big cancerous thing, but it's really just part of the tree. It's, you know, it's not diseased or anything. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people like to use that for like woodworking because it has like a real like beautiful veneer to it. Like when you can like actually get down and, you know, sand it down. So I thought I thought that was a pretty cool choice because we know about all the knots in the show and especially now how the worlds are getting intertwined. And they chose that spot to stand in front of those two trees that had those big knots in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was mainly noticing <clears throat> the bodies like the bodies hanging yeah. from the trees <laughs> yes of course that's the first thing i saw too and uh he's um he's talking about eva here mm-hmm. and that made me realize like this episode now this like most recent turn of events like eva and this secondary world have all along been part of adam's knowledge since like the 1880s, because that's when he first encountered her. So that's when he being like stranger Jonas first encountered this other Martha from this other world. So it's been Mm. known this whole time that there's a secondary world. So I just thought that was kind of fascinating. Just realizing that now. Right. There's this other world, but he hasn't brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't brought it up to like the people that he's supposedly that are supposedly on his team. Now, I mm-hmm. mean, he might have talked about it with I don't know, let's say Magnus and Francisca, like the older version. Sure. Sure. But yeah, we he didn't he never shared this with Jonas, who might have found it pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, and Claudia, let's not forget Claudia. She's aware this whole time of these two worlds as well. Yeah, but I think that's that's less 
less clear, maybe. Yes, I guess so. You're right. But um, I just thought it was neat just knowing that Adam has known this this whole time. New mm -hmm. revelation to everyone. Right. And so then we warp to World 2, 2020. Jonas sleeps in the bed in Marta's room. And don't forget, they had sex last episode. So <laughs> Is the that morning after so weird? <laughs> the morning after a hand with red fingernail polish reaches for his shoulder. Jonas turns around to see a vision of Marta one in the white dress. She looks serene. He wakes up gasping for air An all too real. Marta two lies beside <laughs> him in a gray top. This is no nightmare or vision. She's real. Jonas used to have nightmares about his father slash Mikkel slash Marta lying in bed beside him. These scenes always had a sense of foreboding. Now Jonas seems uneasy to find a real person. Instead of enjoying this connection, he feels uneasy to be with someone else other than his Marta. Does he feel guilty for enjoying this comfort of real touch? Hmm. It's hard to tell what he's thinking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's obvious he's thinking this is not my Martha. Like there's a little, it feels like there's some disconnect. And yeah, yeah they don't seem okay. They're not having a, a great morning. <laughs> they should it's be kind waking of a up, bummer. cuddling and smooching. <laughs> yeah. This is where we stay, um, the big, the cap, this, this is where we encounter that this episode is going to be a bummer with a capital B because <laughs> in a way, you know, last episode we were happy that we got mm -hmm. to see a Marja and a Jonas together. Yes. It's not from the same world, but they seem to finally connect and be like, right. Hey, we're just going to be together. We're going to enjoy, leave the world outside. We're going to have yeah. this time for us and then, yeah, as, as soon as you see him, he's like, he doesn't look happy. And you're like, dude, um. you just, <laughs> you just slept with a Marta. <laughs> Shouldn't you be excited? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess so, that leads right into your, uh, yeah, leads right yeah. into your next paragraph here. He gets out of bed and begins to get dressed. Marta sees the distance in his eyes and follows suit. It's time for the awkward morning after conversation. The connection from last night feels like a dream in the daylight. Both of them make eye contact but quickly look away, betraying the awkwardness they both feel. Maybe they would like to say more, but it's not possible. Jonas remains focused on saving his world and his Marta. Marta too senses this and is too stubborn to confront him about it. Before they leave the room, Jonas picks up the yellow raincoat. After a moment of hesitation, he hands it to Marta too, an uneasy offering. He tells her they need to get to the power plant. Yeah, maybe once they have a mission and they get on the move, maybe they'll uh, <laughs> maybe they'll start talking and warming up to each other. I don't know, but <laughs> he did give up the coat though. That was significant. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could read that a couple ways. Like some people might be like, well, maybe he's going to say I'm wearing the raincoat today. But I think <laughs> I think it's more he's showing his 
um, his lack of orientation in this world because he might, you know, he might like wake up every morning and have to remember which world he's in. And he's like, oh, in this world, I don't wear the yellow raincoat, but that's Mm -hmm. been such a part of his outfit before. So it kind of shows that his mental, um, his mental like state is with the other world, even though he's in this world that he has that hesitation or moment. So, yeah. Yeah. This is supposed to be my jacket, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing that they wear the same size jacket. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that's typical in teenagers. They have, they all have that teenage body still. Well, they're in their 20s, I know, right? These actors are not teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was really, I don't know, and again, um, sometimes I read too, mi- too much into things. But, yeah, mm-hmm. you see Marta wake up, and she kind of looks at Jonas, and then as soon as she sees his face, her face just, like, clouds over, too. She's like, okay. We're doing this now. All right. <laughs> We're not going to talk. <laughs> right. What do you call that? Like, um, I don't know. It's not an emotional vampire. It's the opposite of that. It's like a somebody mm-hmm. who like feels what other people are em- emotionally empathy. unavailable. <laughs> well, I just mean she looks at his mood and she immediately adopts that mood. Oh, to yeah. like um, Matt to like mirror him. Mm hmm. Yeah, she's like a master of matching whoever she's with. Yeah. Yeah. A mood matcher. All right. A scene that never would, never happened at my house and never would happen. Coming downstairs with (laughs) the guy you slept with last night and facing mom. Brazenly. Yeah. (laughs) They come downstairs. Katerina, too, demands to know where Marta has been. Hey, mom, I've been upstairs sleeping with this guy. Um, She doesn't say that. But the family has been looking for her. Marta has tears in her eyes, though. She can see the worry on her mother's face, but chooses not to offer excuses or words of comfort. Of course, Katerina is incensed at the presence of this strange boy in her house. She has never seen Jonas before. Marta gives her a hug, not knowing if, This is the last time she will see her mother. Marta says everything will be okay. So we've heard those words before (laughs) from like Alexander. I Mm -hmm. didn't realize they were also um, words that the Nielsen's used as well. So (laughs) um, Bartosh used them on Martha before, but that was in World One. So Katerina returns the hug, noticing Marta's tears. And without saying another word, Marta leaves and Jonas quickly follows. And we warp to world one. Yeah, I, this is another thing that I realized, too, like with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this scene is just um, how quickly things have turned around for Martha. Mm-hmm. Like just a couple days ago, she was just in the play and, you know, hanging out with Killian and yeah. Jonas came in and completely disrupted like her whole world, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's it's a theme of the show. It, it's it ties in right along with the show. And the other observation from this scene, which I think is a really neat one, which, I you know, it's it's the writers being clever is uh, Katerina says to Martha, you know, where have you been? You vanished into thin air. <laughs> which I think hmm. that choice of words is fun, like considering her mode yeah. of transportation in this 
season. Yes, very true. And in the other world, she had a son that vanished, although maybe not into thin air, but. Seemingly. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think it's funny saying it to Martha, you know, knowing that she does that little vanishing trick. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Marta has the world weight of the world on her shoulders, knowing she just saw this vision in the last episode of like everybody's gonna die, and so obviously right. she's feeling that here and kind of going like, "I have to leave you. Don't know if I'll see you again." Gives her a hug. Katarina, on the meantime, is like, "Why are you? <laughs> why are you bringing this boy in her house?" Which is really funny that she's like, who is this person? And in the other world, she's like, do you know who this is? <laughs> this is your nephew. <laughs> You're his aunt. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> stay away from stay away from her. <laughs> the sweet, worried Katarina is replaced by the warrior Katarina of World One, 1987. So A we warrior. warp to World One. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She has the fire in her eyes. She sits with older Ulrich and tells him to wait by the entrance. She will come to him tonight at 10 p.m. If anyone notices, he should tell them he couldn't sleep. Katerina glances quickly at her mother. Helene gets off work at 5 p.m. Katerina plans to steal her key card and break Ulrich out of the psychiatric facility. Ulrich covers her hand with his. She promises that the two of them will bring Mikkel home and touches his cheek. These estranged lovers share an interlude of forgiveness and grace for each other. Ulrich's face registers regret for his past sins. He apologizes to Katarina, feeling unworthy of her loyalty, and it's a heartbreaking moment. <laughs> what a weird um, family that they would turn out to be. If <laughs> like Her with this Ulrich and then like, grabbing Mikkel again. Um, it's yeah. like, then where do you go? I mean, it's, it, it's nuts. Like this whole, this whole plan is kind of nuts, but it's also like shows like her d- determination and like, just, mm-hmm. you know, her wits and like, I don't know. It's like, it's like her feelings are like before <laughs> her brain. I think, I don't know. This is just a very odd plan, but, um, I'm on board with it. I loved it. (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. criticizing it. I just think it's crazy. (laughs) If I was sitting next to them, I would tell them so. (laughs) Like, y'all, y'all are in the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, it's interesting that I wonder, I'm wondering what Ulrich's feeling here. Is he thinking like, been there, done that, tried that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's not going to work, but. Katarina hasn't been through that yet. She has lots of energy still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hasn't had like a partner in any of that. And now he is kind of old and out of energy. But yeah, he's got Katarina. Of course he's going to back her. He's like, what else am I going to do? Have applesauce tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> this is a, for him, it's a great plan. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that her her plan is... For him to say, him to just hang out by the entrance and say, like, I couldn't sleep, so I'm going to stand by the door? (laughs) At 10 p.m. There's a lot of laxness at this place, I suppose. And he's he's Durkamisar. Like, they love him there. They don't care. (laughs) Durkamisar can go wherever he wants. (laughs) 
Okay, meanwhile, a voice on the radio announces that five high-ranking employees have been given long prison sentences one year mm-hmm. after the events of Chernobyl. We are now at the store of older H.G. Tanhouse, clocks everywhere. German nuclear power plants have been performing increased safety inspections. Teen Charlotte enters the store. She leans on his workstation and casually asks Tanhouse, typical Charlotte, Casually asked Tanhouse if he's ever thought it was possible to turn back time. This is a delightful bit of character consistency. Charlotte has never been one for small talk. And all of her abrupt talks with Peter seem to make more sense now. She treats everyone like this, not just her husband. <laughs> yeah, this... um. There's, there's a lot to go into in this scene. I'm not, I'm not going to try to get ahead of us here. But starting from this point, um, yeah, you're right. She comes in and she has an agenda mm-hmm. <laughs> to have this conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but wonder if this is brought on by her interaction with Jonas. Um, because this is around the same time. She's wearing the same thing that she was wearing when she ran into Jonas in the woods. And he like did the old time travel talk with her and blew her mind while she was drawing birds that day. So I wonder if like this is, you know, right around that same time frame, and she's been thinking about it. Um, he laughs and admits that he has. Of course he has. He's H.G. Sure. Tanhouse. <laughs> of course. He read a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> she persists. She really wants an answer. He decides to let her in on his inner thoughts, realizing she's old enough. He has wanted to travel, but he realizes his place isn't in the past or the future. It's here with mm. Charlotte. Mm, we heard him say similar stuff in season one that this is where he's meant to be right now. That's right. He retrieves and opens a small wooden box. He hands her a photo of a young couple with a baby. Charlotte assumes that they might be her parents. Instead, yeah. Tanhouse admits that this is his son, daughter-in-law, and granddaughter. They all died in a car crash. That same night, He heard noises in the shop. Two women came to him and brought a baby. That baby was Charlotte. He lost everything that night and was given everything in return. This is a lot more than Charlotte (laughs) was asking for this day. (laughs) This is a lot of information that he's given her. And this is uh, is some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, she just asked you if... You thought it was possible to turn back time, dude. She didn't ask you to like spill all your <laughs> personal. But I mean, it this. I mean, this is her ultimate question. She does want to know about her parents. Yeah, and that's maybe right. Tanhouse senses that this is what she why she's asking. Yeah, and yeah. to him, like this is the ultimate symbol of her maturity. She's asking about time travel. She's ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay, Charlotte listens intently as Tanhouse describes the accident. A truck forced his son's car into the river. Only the bodies of the two adults were found. The baby was never located. The only thing Charlotte had with her was a pocket watch that reads for Charlotte. And he gives her the watch. Yeah, I'll let you go on before I add anything in here. 
Charlotte is devastated. She has been hoping one day that Tanhouse would tell her the identity of her parents. Instead, she learns that she was unceremoniously dumped by two unknown women. There is no hope for an answer, and she runs out of the store. Right. Yeah, so I had, I had a few things I wanted to bring up here. The locket, that he hands her this locket, and she refuses it. Like She's like, I don't care about this right now. So does she forget that locket? Like when it's brought back to her by Elizabeth way back episode Do you two? mean the watch? Yeah. The pocket watch? Yeah. Okay. You're saying Oh, I she... said locket. <laughs> I meant pocket watch. Like, yeah. so she, she didn't take it from him at this moment as a kid. And then when Elizabeth brings it to her, she doesn't remember it either. Um, do you oh, think? Oh, that's right. Okay. So she, you're saying she ran out of the store without yeah. the pocket watch. Right. Okay. I think like she didn't give a crap about a pocket watch at that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, cause I'm, I'm sure some people watching this are like, there's the locket. Why didn't she recognize it when Elizabeth, you know, yeah. gave it, handed it to her. And this is why, because it's just a, it was just a brief glimpse of this thing that she just didn't care about at the moment. <laughs> you know, she cared about that picture. She cared about her identity. And that's mm-hmm. where Tanhouse really screwed up royally. Like all he had to say was like, when she says, who am I? He's, you are you, you're Charlotte, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's who you are. You're the same person you've always been. I love you. You know, but instead he just looks at her like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> Beats me, kid. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty goofy, in my opinion. Tanhouse's response. I call him a goofball here. Well, he does. I think he does say some nice things. He says that he lost yeah. everything that night and was given everything in return. So he starts on that path. You could say Charlotte ran out before he could finish the nice <laughs> thoughts. Process. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, though, when she's like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Like you're you just because yeah. we don't know your birthright. You're still you, but you know, it's, it's just an aside. It was just yeah. <laughs> something to get mad at Tanhouse about. Okay. She talks about that. There was this car crash. We've seen another car crash in the show. <laughs> that being the car crash of Helge. Right. Yes. Um, Helge is Charlotte's father-in-law. Um, but oh, interesting. Okay, <clears throat> not necessarily. You know, there's not any kind of obvious connection, but I just think that this is you know car crashes. <laughs> we've sort of we've sort of seen that before, and yeah, we've seen that how you know Helge lived, but he never fully recovered. But of course, he had. You know, he's had more mm-hmm. than one accident. Um, we know his head was bashed in with a rock. Then he had this car accident. That's what really did. But he lived. He survived the car crash. Right. So I think here, um, yeah, my ears really perked perked up when they started talking about this. And um, it, this this is a scene to remember. This is a bit of dialogue to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that the body was never found. So anytime they say something like the body was never found, your ears should definitely perk up. Mm-hmm. But this is just an aside that he gave her. And it seems like it's 
unrelated to the two women that brought him a baby. So it's, yeah. you know, it's just, a, it's just a neat little story that she doesn't think it's neat right now. She's, <laughs> <laughs> but us, us rewatchers of dark really like this scene a lot. And this is one um, to catalog and come back to later. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. Now I'm kind of thinking, okay, she, now it kind of seems like, um, okay, did Charlotte come? It just says two women came to him and brought a baby. Mm -hmm. That baby was Charlotte. Now I'm assuming that, well, no. And she had the pocket watch with her. So that Mm -hmm. means that would be a way of them. Those two women, um, Mm -hmm. communicating that this baby's name is Charlotte. So it's not like Tanhouse took this baby and named the baby Charlotte, um, you know, to replace that baby. So, um, so there's that fact, but let's also remember that it was last episode that we saw the earliest time um, the father of Gustav Tannhaus, Heinrich, had the pocket watch. Yeah, that's right. For his Charlotte. Yeah. So what do you make of that, Steve? That this pocket watch was, you know, mm-hmm. it, we've seen it in this earlier time where this man, w- this pocket watch belonged to his wife. A and then house, here's right. the watch. Here's the watch now. <laughs> Being given by two women. Back to Tan House, right? It's a yeah. small town, Lindsay. You know, it's it's been handed, it's been handed around. It's thrift um, stores are a beautiful thing. <laughs> but I guess yeah. where I'm going with this is, mm-hmm. could it be possible? Okay, could it be possible that the baby that was never found is not our Charlotte at all? Mm-hmm. Um, because we know. Do we know? Who, I think we do know. We do know who Charlotte's real parents are now. Um, and we know everything right? about this. Yes, we know okay, every yeah. angle. Of this. Um, her her <laughs> parents are Noah and Elizabeth. So it's not like um, it's not like her parents were really Tanhouse's son and daughter. No, um, but that Charlotte was never found. So um, right. I don't know. A fun theory could be that the baby whose body was never found somehow traveled through time and became the wife mm-hmm. of Heinrich Tannhaus. Yeah. It's open for interpretation. Absolutely. Yeah. And like that, that tracks, that theory tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a shame we can't speculate about this in real time, but yeah. I will say that um, what you said a couple minutes ago, I really liked because you said, you know, this this baby is not like you know his, but it he it is kind of like a replacement for that child that was lost, and you know he lost his son and his daughter in law in that accident, and as well as the baby, so he really lost his whole family, and just mm-hmm. like he said, he had nothing to turn for, nothing to nothing to live for, basically. I guess is what I'm trying to say, and then these two nuns or these two women come and bring him a baby. And that, you know, kind of replaces that baby in a way. And um, I don't know. It's 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 yeah. a, it's a it's going to be a neat turnaround. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, more to come about about this um, scene and the, and the watch and all that. But yeah. So we speaking of Charlotte, we warp to World 2 2020. Adult Charlotte visits Alexander in his office. She stares at the folded up shopping bag sitting on his desk. She's here to talk about the boy in the bunker, meaning Mads. She inquires about his well-being. He's been running the meeting about the power plant shutting down in one year. He never thought it would come to this. Charlotte asks when he came to Wyndon and when he started working at the power plant. Alexander realizes he's being questioned. He tells her the fall of 1986. She next wants to know about the shift schedules, both the ones now and the ones back then. And do they keep archives? She wants to see the shift schedules for the entire year of 1986. Charlotte's not messing around. (laughs) (laughs) Now, again, I got a lot to say about Charlotte. Once again, like she's this, she and Claudia are the stars of this show today. Um, I love how when she comes into the, into the office and she sees that bag mm-hmm. and us as the audience know that that bag represents her in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, Alexander, as he's talking to her, he looks down at that bag, looks up at her and says he never thought it would come to this. <laughs> so I think that that phrase had a double meaning, like the power plant and also I never thought I would get blackmailed and have to take you down, but here we are because we know that Hannah wants to, you know, take Charlotte down for her Ulrich messing around. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she turned into Clausen right before our eyes. Like she was <laughs> nice Charlotte talking nice. And then all of a sudden she's asking Clausen questions, getting that serious look. And uh, yeah, she wants to know stuff about, about Helge back then. And it's funny that like they cut the next scene they cut to is like a wet raincoat (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. rain. And it looks kind of like Helge in a way to me. Like it looks Mm -hmm. like the old version of Helge. Yeah. But I I could be wrong, but I feel like in, um, in world one, when she was looking at chef shift schedules, she was looking at the schedules for the day that um, Mikkel disappeared Right. And then in this world, she's like, the entire year of 1986 is what I would like the <laughs> chef's schedules for, please. <laughs> well, I think there is there is a tie-in with that, though, because she's narrowing it down to, like, uh, it's within this episode, I think. Like, she narrows it down to, like, a 16-minute window. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think she's on the right of it. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> So back in World 1, 2020, Claudia walks into the post-apocalypse police station. It's raining, and she hears something and picks up a metal bar ready to fight if needed. (laughs) There is another Claudia, the same age, impeccably dressed, hairstyled, Mm -hmm. and they commence an epic stare down. (laughs) Yeah, we get some shaky cam action here. I thought maybe some zombies were going to come out at her at the beginning. <laughs> it was like real horror movie stuff. But I love when characters meet their own character. I've I've told you many times that's something I've often thought about is like walking down the street and then like walking into myself down the street and <laughs> having an epic stare down just like this. 
with a, with a world too, Steve. Uh, so yeah, seeing this stuff is, is great to somebody like me. I love it. I don't know. Something about this Claudia, the impeccably dressed Claudia. Yeah. Makes me want to slap her because. What? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> she has just this smug look on her face and she's like, hello, Claudia. <laughs> like, I oh, got you. <laughs> I don't like people okay, who okay. just come into a room and act like they own everything. So. Okay. I'm not going to. I can respect that. I don't agree, <laughs> but I can definitely respect it. <laughs> Plus, it, you know, it, it gets me that. Um, we know that, like the um, her secret Claudia's secretary Jasmine back before she was killed mm-hmm. was like she wore the same outfit twice. She stopped wearing makeup, and right. so here's <laughs> like the old Claudia who is, you know, we p- there's people make the joke about like everybody in World Two is like I don't know ten percent sexier than everybody in World One. So that was my I don't joke. Know. Yeah, I like. <laughs> <laughs> Your joke, yes. Okay. Well, I I don't know. I like our I like our new Claudia, who's like going on natural better. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I would agree, but I mean, I'm not going to hold it against anybody. If they want to put themselves together and look nice, that's fine. I mean, her. <laughs> I mean, I feel I feel more at ease with the chill Claudia. I yeah. definitely agree with you, but um, I don't know this other Claudia's. I, I got to hand it to her. I mean, I, I respect that button down, Claudia. I'll do whatever she says. <laughs> her her shoulder pads aren't nearly high enough, but I mean, she's on her way. Yes. All right. So meanwhile, Elizabeth and Peter come out of Benny's trailer. Elizabeth looks downcast. They walk to the barricades near the power plant. Peter checks in with the guards. Elizabeth holds the pocket watch. She tells Peter that she doesn't want to go with him today. She wants Peter to accept that everyone is dead. If they were alive, they would Hmm. come looking for them. And she turns and walks away, and Peter starts to follow her, but changes his mind. Hmm. I mean, she's right. (laughs) If they were alive, they would be hanging around that exact same spot. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I can't fault her, but... um... Yeah, you. I mean, everybody knows this. You don't leave your young kids behind in a post-apocalyptic world. You, you don't do it because bad things happen. So, Peter, that was a mistake. You shouldn't let her go. She's 11, dude. Come on. Yeah, Peter made <clears throat> a fateful <laughs> error that day. Mm. But um, Fateful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't help but feel that Noah is responsible <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Him and his funny live in the cave in the hole in the hole a on the in the notepad. You know, ever since Wait, you he think got that. Noah's responsible? Wait, back up. Why is that? You know, the last time we saw Elizabeth, uh-huh. They were at Jonas's oh. house and Okay. You know, teen teen Noah was stalking them and he comes in and talks to Elizabeth. And then at the beginning of this episode, when we see Elizabeth, she's holding that notepad, just staring yep. at it. She is. You're right. You're Ole. right. So you're-, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's his fault that like that, that that's the, 
he he influenced her basically. Not necessarily yes. it's his fault, but he was an influence on her line of thinking. Yeah, she's starting to okay. come out of the I don't know, she's been in this mode where she's like, I'll go wherever my dad goes, try to like Sure. Make, you know, be be his daughter, you know, we we are partners or whatever. And ever since I feel like they encounter Noah, she's she's grown increasingly discontent with her situation. I can't disagree with you, but I thought what you were trying to say was like what ends up happening later in the episode is all Noah's fault. And I'm oh, like, no. I think that I don't think that's true. <laughs> Lindsay no <laughs> I think that's a pretty wild accusation no <laughs> that's I just why meant, I had to stop the show <laughs> yeah I meant Elizabeth um kind of rebelling against her dad yes but yep. that's okay. that's the nature of <laughs> teens right you know they start rebelling um as they become teens and they're like mm-hmm. kind of want to go off and do things on their own and she had she had this moment with Noah and she sort of wants to know what's going on in the cave right now. I mean, that's what she wants to do <laughs> instead of hanging out in that yeah. RV or like hanging out looking for dead bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So back at the police station, the Claudia showdown continues. <laughs> Claudia 2 says that she's here to guide Claudia 1 to the light. There are two groups trying to control time. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. Light and shadow. <laughs> we have heard all of this before, but now Claudia 2 spins her version of it. She asks Claudia 1 to join Eva's side. She can't trust Jonas. He belongs to the shadow. Claudia 1 tells Claudia 2 that Jonas is dead. Remember that after they separated, this Claudia never saw Jonas again. He got distracted by the Marta situation and never came to the bunker where he was supposed to meet her. Thank you for the clarification because we were all confused. <laughs> we're like, what is she talking about? Jonas is dead at this point. So I'm, I'm glad you, uh, <laughs> you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. After um, who was in the bunker, it was Claudia, Regina, mm-hmm. um, Noah, Elizabeth, and Peter. And Jonas had said, meet me at the bunker. Gave her the suitcase, right. and she never saw him again. So when she, um, when yeah, she tells good, her she can't trust Jonas, she's like, "Well, it doesn't matter because Jonas is dead." <laughs> uh, Claudia too seems very smug. She tells mm-hmm. Claudia one that Jonas is very much alive, and he wants to destroy both worlds and destroy the knot. He doesn't know that this is what he will want in the future. Eva wants to save both worlds. Claudia 1 struggles to keep up. She remembers Jonas wanting to change things. Claudia 2 tells her that he believes that because she, older Claudia, told him that. It's a positive feedback loop. It sounds like a mouthful, but that <laughs> this is very important stuff. Yeah. And so um, if you didn't follow that, just rewind and listen to that one more time. Or if you're, if you're reading her recaps, you know, you got to read this a couple of times because this is, it's confusing, but it, it's actually, ve- it, it answers a lot. It's, this is, I don't know the, all this information, like I said before is really um, important information. It's not just mumbo jumbo here. <laughs> well, I think for other characters, 
we see other characters that have these kinds of conversations like Adam with Jonas Mm -hmm. with Adam and Jonas with Eva, you know, basically you have this strong person. They can get you to do anything by explaining their form of logic, but this isn't just any character. This is Claudia. This is the woman that was taught by Bern Doppler that things don't happen by themselves Mm-hmm. And it's you're gonna it's gonna take a lot to turn or convince a Claudia. <laughs> so <laughs> she's really gotta have her act in order <laughs> here to do this. But um she's trying to explain, yeah, why um you know, why you can't believe that Jonas wants to change things. And she's like, Well, because that's what you told him. You know, old Claudia told him, then we have it's like right. the Claudia Jonas feedback loop. So, but in a way, that's what, as you know, really that's what all the characters are doing. It's a positive feedback loop with all of that's causing <laughs> all of our cycles. Well, I should have interrupted you because this next paragraph yeah. is just as important as the previous one. Yeah. So then, all right. So continuing on, actually, Jonas opened the passage in 2020. Older Jonas, that is, stranger Jonas, shut it prior to that in 2019. It was opened for the first time in the summer of 1986. Each time, cesium residue was left behind, the dark matter. In each cycle, at all three moments, cesium is brought into the tunnel before it has fully decayed. It expands exponentially. It must continue to exist for eternity. Everything in the loop must continue to happen until Claudia can figure out how to really change things. Now Claudia begins to believe her because of the science. Right. Yeah. Don't get confused by those time periods because the main takeaway here is that it's the, it's the cesium traces that makes this all possible. And we see that when um, Katarina's in the cave because you see all those weird swirly things all around her at the end of season two. I think that's supposed to represent part of that. And um, I don't know this. It's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, it's well, well written. Lindsay is what I should say (laughs) and let you move on because (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a lot to explain and you did a good job of it. Mm hmm. Oh, and um, um, yeah, yeah, I should bring the passage must remain open. That's something that is brought up and that is uh, seen as a mistake when Stranger Jonas closed it because they say this passage must exist. It must be open for both worlds to be able to exist. So they have to keep that passage open. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, Eva's side does seem much more reasonable to me. And I don't know if that's because it's like a it's like a the woman's world where they have a lot more reason. And then we got Adam's world where <laughs> he's not quite so he just wants to destroy everything. But Eva's side on its face and the way Claudia is describing it seems like the more reasonable um side to me. What do you think? Do you at this point? Like if you were made to pick sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think what they're what they're what they're playing on here is that we all know we don't trust Adam. Sure. 
Um, so you kind of hope maybe Eva's better. And yes, it sounds because we already know that Adam is bad news. Um, <laughs> us as viewers, we automatically are kind of like, well, maybe we can, maybe Eva can figure it out. Maybe we can trust Eva. Um, sure. because even if like, even if you don't understand all the logic and don't understand the science, you can understand this one line is that the, everything in the loop must continue until Claudia can figure out how to really change things. So Claudia is Claudia, this new Claudia. She's saying, hey, I do want to change things, but until I can figure out how to do that, um, we're just going to keep, we just need to keep repeating the loop, which is why things mm -hmm. like Regina dies, you know, like even though we didn't want that to happen, it's like, in, but we just kind of need to take up time almost mm -hmm. until we can figure out what's really going on. So hopefully everybody mm -hmm. can, can like latch onto that little fact, even if you're, you know, Steve's a little bit more sciencey than me. He can kind of track those things. But me, I get lost. I'm like, the relationships are key for me. So I'm just like, okay. All I can understand from this is that even though I wrote that all down, guys, uh, I pause a lot um, to be able to, like, write these things. <laughs> but um, she's just basically saying, you know, She's trying to break because Claudia had this connection with Jonas and she needs to break that in order to get her to even think about um, coming to Eva's right. side. So, yeah, sure. All right. Moving on. We warp back to world two. Marta and Jonas stand outside the power plant fence. Jonas huh. uses bolt cutters to cut through the links. Marta asks, What's in the barrels? Jonas doesn't know, but he knows something happened in the summer of 1986. The substance in the barrels made time travel possible. The truck with the barrels is arriving tonight. They will wait for it to be delivered. Marta crawls through the links and cuts her right cheek on a piece of metal. This moment makes Jonas stop in his tracks. He stares at her like a ghost. He realizes that Alt-Marta had a scratch on her cheek, too, on the left side. Right then and there, he decides to abort the plan to follow Eva's instructions. She told him he could change things, but it looks like everything is just happening the same. So far, following orders has only made the thing he wanted to stop happen again. Marta, too, gets mad. She doesn't know about Jonas's world, but this is her world. Maybe they can stop the apocalypse here, at least. Jonas argues that this might be what Eva wants. Marta feels pain, realizing that Jonas's thoughts lie only with saving his world and his Marta. He's just with her to use her for this plan. You have to feel bad for Marta, too. This is her first rodeo, but Jonas is becoming a veteran. They're all lying, he says. And he's tired of being used, too. He will go to Eva now to hear the truth. But what makes him think they will tell him the truth now? That's my personal side note there. <laughs> <laughs> and Marta, too, can't help herself. She decides to follow Jonas, even though her instincts tell her to stay at the power plant. Yeah, this reminds me of um, 
what we were saying previously in the episode, what you were saying previously in the episode about you know, that Jonas is always on this mission. He's always got his mind on his mission. And mm-hmm. then when things like take a strange turn of events, like she scratches her cheek here. So then he realizes, Oh, this is just another one of these, you know, dead ends. He gets all bent out of shape, gets all yelly, gets a new plan of action. Martha doesn't, this isn't what she (laughs) wants to spend her time doing. Like she would, I mean, she would much rather read some, you know, read some books and, you know, be happy and have Mm -hmm. some smiles. And like, (laughs) this is not a great turn of events for her. Like just a couple days ago, she was, she was doing the play and now this is where she's at. So I don't blame her for being mad and like feeling like (laughs) I just hugged my mom goodbye. And now what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Well, also we just saw Jonas wake her up uh, after they, you know, they slept together and Mm -hmm. then he just wakes her up awkwardly and says, um, we need to go to the power plant. Mm-hmm. She follows him to the power plant. What does he do? Now he says, oh, we're not going to the power plant. We're going <laughs> to see Eva. And then the thing is, he says, um, you know, I'm going to go to Eva now to hear the truth because he doesn't want to do what he's being told. But it's like, well, what if what you're doing now is actually what she wants you to do also? <laughs> so, yeah. He's, he's following his gut. He just wants to do what he thinks is right. I guess, I I guess I can see where he's going because he's like, I'm not going to go through with this plan. I'm going to go tell her that I've caught her in a lie. I think that's what he's like hanging his hat on here is like, I caught her in this lie and now I'm going to see what she has to say for herself. I think that's what his motive thinking is. Yeah. He thinks he's going to catch her off guard, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) but I do think it's interesting that him, she said, he just says like, everybody's lying. So I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we warp back to world one, 1986. Teen Charlotte sits at the bus stop with an egg Robin blue hat and gray coat. It's not clear if she planned to go somewhere or if she just wanted a quiet place to think. The bus pulls up because, like, the bus doesn't pull up very often, Steve, so it's usually pretty quiet here. That's true. (laughs) The bus pulls up and a young man steps off. He politely asks Charlotte how long it will take him to walk to Wyndon. She recommends he bail. (laughs) Wyndon is a black hole. Once you're in, you can never leave. It's now that I notice there's a lovely vending machine for cigarettes on the bus stop. Yeah, which is why that's why Ulrich and Hannah like to hang out here because they're <laughs> cigarette smokers. Um, <laughs> the only note that I have before you keep continue on, because mm-hmm. as usual, more more cool stuff happens. Um, they're not giving us timestamps anymore. They're like just at this point, they're like, all right, dark viewers, you're all in. <laughs> I think you can figure out which world and which scene we're in with just our subtle clues. It used to be they would give us like the, the exact date on the screen and they're not doing that anymore for us. 
It's up to you, Lindsay, to tell us what world and what year <laughs> we're in. <laughs> yeah. And some of this I get some of this I get from Dark Wiki and some of this I just figure it out on my own. But um <laughs> kudos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, and so, this is another repeating thing. Somebody else said Wyndon was a black hole. Was that was that Katarina or I don't know. Yes, Somebody's, it was when she was talk when she was on the talk radio show. Yeah, there's like the black hole and there's the festering wound. So sometimes I have a hard time remembering who said what. Right. <clears throat> That's why I thought the burl was interesting that they showed that tree burl like right next to a uh, Adam earlier for the same reason, a festering wound. Yeah. Um, you know, a huge hole of I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and both Francisca and Bartosh gave reports on black holes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Mm -hmm. Peter comes to sit next to her. He kindly asks if she's okay. Charlotte says that it's complicated. Peter <laughs> admits that everything is complicated. She asks why he came to town. He mentions that his mother died and he has come to live with his father. He just learned who his father is when his mother died. These two have a similar backstory. Both seem to feel lost. Charlotte tries him out. Does he think you can bring back people from the dead? Peter asks how that would work. He doesn't shy away from the question or act like she's weird. Charlotte responds that you have to get to the person before they die. Because that's what Jonas told her. Exactly. And the boy's name is Peter. Yeah, I love this meet cute with Peter and Charlotte. This is great. I've been waiting for this moment because they talk, they keep talking about Peter when he came to town. He was Helge's kid, but they've never really answered it until now. It's like deep into season three, we finally get to meet young Peter. And uh, yeah, you're looking good. Looking like, you know, I, I can see this actor growing up to be the other Peter. I love their casting. Mm -hmm. And I love their vibe together. I mean, these two are made for each other here. No wonder they hooked up. I mean, I know like their, their sexuality doesn't, doesn't blend exactly, but I mean, they definitely vibe together here and they got this immediate rapport. Now, Steve, you know that this teen, this young Peter is actually the real actor's son, correct? Oh no, no, I did not. Okay, yep, they're actually related. <laughs> well, they cheated. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Just like two of the unknowns are also, mm -hmm. you know, actual. Father, I, yeah. I did know that about the unknown, but the Peters, no, I had no idea. That's, that's, again, great to hear. And this is one of the scenes that, like, I was, you know, picking myself up off the floor. I just loved this scene with <laughs> Peter and Charlotte. I just love nostalgia, old scenes like this. Yeah, you you can see how they vibe. Like you said, he's a good listener. She just got emotionally whooped by her by her grandfather or her adopted grandfather, um, not feeling well. And she probably probably a lot of people do treat her like she's a weirdo because mm -hmm. <laughs> of her the way she starts conversations and um, <laughs> yeah, maybe they're both kind of orphans and yeah yeah this whole like get this statement about you have to get to the person 
before they die. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a weird thing to say. <laughs> it's, it's a cheat. Again, it's a cheat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So we warp to world two. Elizabeth sits on the couch. Charlotte comes home and wonders why Elizabeth isn't in school. She didn't go today. Peter comes out to see what's going on. Charlotte is home early. She tells him that she went to see Alexander. It turns out that Hellgate was working at the plant the night that Mads disappeared. His shift ended at 6 p.m. Mads disappeared at 6.21 p.m. Peter is incensed that Charlotte is still on this path, and she's saying this right in front of their daughter. Helge was with them the whole evening. Charlotte persists in speaking about the topic. Peter then reminds Charlotte that Elizabeth is not deaf. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good reminder for all of us. I mean, we know that, but it's also like, okay, which is kind of funny because in the other world, you know, she is. Yeah. Yep. Charlotte says that Ulrich <laughs> is right. These events are all connected. Peter Ooh. turns from frustrated to emotionally dead when she brings up Ulrich. And Charlotte leaves to go back to the office. A2, Peter. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you. She's not the only one sleeping around, Peter. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, that she's not deaf thing is a classic. Um, why was she home from school? Did they say? Mm. I couldn't think of a reason. Yeah, I I don't know. We we have um Have we already, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I get confused now. Have we already had the, the episode where Helgate turns himself in? Yes. Okay. Um, oh, so it might so be that, it might be that um, we're just all upset. We want to stay home today. It's, it's a hard day yeah. for our family, that kind of thing. That makes sense. I'll buy it. But Charlotte, so, <laughs> Charlotte's so kind of. <laughs> emotionally dead that she doesn't think about she's just like regular day at work for everybody <laughs> plus he's guilty that hell gay guy <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah i mean franziska's not there so <laughs> yeah that's true we don't get a much of francisca she's well i mean actually we'll check in with her in a couple minutes but yeah first we have to get through um the worst scene in the history of dark. <laughs> yeah. But Charlotte so like did the reins. <laughs> Charlotte did make it make a make an error though, mentioning the word Ulrich. Oh yeah. I mean <laughs> yeah, she could have just, you know, not attributed the uh the author of that quote and it would have mm -hmm. been fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we warp back to world one. Rainy day at the RV continues. Elizabeth arrives and finds a strange man inside searching for food. And before we get to the scene, let's just all remember that the man is Sauce Boss. So he's not really yes. a bad guy. He's a ballet dancer. Isaac Dentler is a ballet <laughs> dancer. He's a ballet dancer? <laughs> Yes, he is. He does ballet professionally. So, you know, he's a great dude. Um, he's not great in this scene. Mm -hmm. And I told him so on Instagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wasn't like afraid to, think, to go there. 
I like to think that Bo and Yantia appreciated the work he did in this scene so much, and it was his audition tape for eighteen ninety nine. Um, yes. So we're gonna give you a different role here, buddy. <laughs> or maybe they found him like when they were. Uh, you remember Francisca used to do like that dancing thing with the ribbon dancing. So maybe <laughs> yes. like that's where they found <laughs> Isaac Dentler. Okay. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So she finds a strange man inside searching for food. He tells her not to be scared, but when she tries to flee, he bashes her head against the door, giving her a deep cut above her eyebrow. She wakes to find him heating up a can of food on the stove. Her hands are tied behind her back. He tries to make conversation, but, of course, she can't understand him, and he's not knowledgeable enough to make sure that she can read his lips or anything like that. Yeah. She just, he just keeps saying like, why aren't you talking to me? You know, like, <laughs> cause I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. All right. He sits down on the bed next to her to eat. It's been a while since he enjoyed a hot meal. She backs away from him, hoping he will eat and leave. And we're kind of hoping the same thing. Mm hmm. Instead, he reaches out to touch her. She reacts, but says nothing. It's a terrible scene to watch. He then starts to pull at her clothes. Elizabeth is helpless to protect herself since she's tied up, and she can't even scream. He gets on top of her and begins to sexually assault her. Peter finally arrives home. Yes. He goes full-on dad mode, doing whatever he can to protect his daughter. The two fight, but Peter isn't a strong man. The stranger outweighs him in every way. Elizabeth sees a knife and begins to untie herself. By this time, the stranger is on top of Peter. He bludgeons his head with a can of food, and Elizabeth removes the ropes binding her and bravely attacks the stranger with a knife. She's no shrinking, shrinking violet. Elizabeth has him in a chokehold, but the stranger throws her off. He goes back to Peter, pushing him up against the wall. Poor Peter. Gravity is working against him. The stranger has the advantage and pushes the knife into Peter's throat. Mm. But Elizabeth is ready. She pummels him in the nose with a fire extinguisher and bashes him in the head with it over and over again. She then finds her father dead. She sinks to the ground, shivering. She's now an orphan and a warlord is born. You should have said that more confidently. A warlord is born. Because that was a good line. I liked it. <laughs> I'm very confident about my lines, Steve. Yeah, okay, good. Um, yeah, I like how they cut right to the older Elizabeth after this scene, too. Like, And then we're like, oh, <laughs> this Elizabeth has been through a lot more than we realize. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hands down, a really tough scene to watch. I didn't enjoy having to watch it again. Um. I don't, you know, it's an action scene, so there's not much we can say about like the action itself. I mean, well shot in a small quarters. Right. Almost reminded me of the fight scene in um, Raisin, Arizona. They did the same. They did a comedic fight in a small trailer that was, um, it was done for comedic purposes, though. And, and here it was uh, just the, clo the close proximity of everything just made the fight just more not just claustrophobic, but just more dangerous all around because you never know what you're going to be hitting against. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. yeah, he died in Bernadette's bathroom. Um, 
So, I mean, that's, he was kind of, you know, that's the person that he was in love with mm-hmm. and he dies, you know, where, where she spent a lot of time. Um, yeah. but he also died on the toilet like Elvis. So that's not great. Um, I like Peter a lot. The last scene we got to see young Peter and how cool that was. And so it's like life and death. It's like, it's exactly like the title of the episode. We saw the beginning of Peter. Now they're unfortunately showing us the end of Peter, even with the end of Peter though, it's the beginning of the new Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And what is it? Charlotte says, Hey, I recommend you bail on coming into Winden. Um, <laughs> it all led to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you have to hand it to Peter. He immediately, you know, did whatever he could to protect his daughter. Oh, yeah. And we know yeah. he's not, you know, he's a gentle soul. He be- He's a therapist in one world and a pastor in another. True. Wow. Okay. He's a caring, a very caring person. So it was... Okay. I don't know. I just respected him so much seeing him now. I mean, anybody would, I feel like anybody would like to protect their daughter, they would do anything, you know, but it was still like quite something to see Mm. on in his part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing to like, know, like I'll do anything for my daughter, but then Mm -hmm. it's another to actually be faced with it and to do it. And yeah, Yeah. he gave a hundred percent of his strength and effort. To protecting her. So mm-hmm. kudos to Peter. Yeah. It's just a very, for how, and how violent this scene is, it's just a very long scene too. It seems to last forever. It, it does. It sure does. Yeah. And Isaac Dentler, his like, he obviously plays a character that's, that's uh, really dense because he goes from like, like smacking Elizabeth around to then like, he tries to feed her. And tries to talk to her, and then he tries to assault her. It's like he's just like thinking, like at the spur of the moment, like none of this was planned. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It was it was disturbing watching his his turn of character. Yeah, he um, you know, he was there ostensibly. He was there to find food. Yes, definitely. And he didn't expect to have for this young lady to come home. Yeah. But still you would think, I don't know. He's not, he's not a good person because you don't, you wouldn't have to be violent with, uh, you know, a tween girl to get her to, you know, he could have gotten this food without doing any of this other stuff. Yeah. Just smacking her on the head. That first whack on the head, you knew he was a bad person. It's like, yeah. that was not necessary <laughs> at all. Yeah. I wasn't sure, you know, even why that happened. Like, cause she was trying to like, um, I, I thought she was just trying to leave the trailer maybe, but it, it, she did have the knife. So maybe she was trying to attack him. So he thought he had to stop her. So, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but now, um, you know, Peter's dead. And she's now this orphan and, and we see, yeah, she has this, um, pose. She sits, she sits down and there's blood all over her face. And then we cut to 2053 older Elizabeth. 
And she'd never wash that blood off. (laughs) (laughs) She is one of Adam's Adam's soldiers, so she has to never wash again. (laughs) (laughs) That's in the contract. (laughs) All right. Older Elizabeth watches the unstable god particle. Adam stands nearby. Older Franziska, Charlotte, and Elizabeth are all together. The family reunited. They embrace Mm -hmm. three in one. Adam tells Francisca to let go. Francisca pulls herself together and flips a lever. Elizabeth and Charlotte enter the now stable god particle in hazmat suits. This was cute. All the reds hugging. This was nice. (laughs) Um, Francisca might be mute here too, right? I mean, (laughs) they don't give her any lines at all here. Hmm. This is um, this is World One, Francisca. Yeah, so she can talk, but they just don't give her lines. That's all. They would have to pay her. Yeah, Elizabeth had more lines in this episode than Francisca did. That's weird. All right, so we then. Oh, oh! I had oh, another, wait. Okay, I, yeah. I had another mm-hmm. thought. Another Go thought. ahead. Go ahead. Could Francisca also be Elizabeth's daughter too, just for fun? Can we, can we <laughs> wait a second? <laughs> Cause we know that like, like Charlotte and Elizabeth are connected, but what about Francisca? Can't she be connected to? And I mean, Elizabeth? she is, she's part of this crazy family too. <laughs> I don't know. I want her to have a weird mom connection also. It's just boring to have Charlotte as a mom. It'd be more fun if you had like Elizabeth as your mom. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> Okay, well, in this in this wonderful jokey time, I've actually now come up with something important to say, or you know, okay. something insightful at least. Okay, so at the beginning of the episode, we saw Adam talking to Charlotte about, "Are you ready to do your part?" Okay. Okay, here we have Elizabeth and Charlotte are now into the God Particle and their husband oh. suits. So I guess that means Charlotte is getting ready to do her part. All right, yeah. There you go. Yeah. We <laughs> she decided to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're, we'll find out what that what that uh, what that mission is that she's doing. I guess hopefully soon. She suited up. She did it. All right. <laughs> uh, I you know what's and also Franziska's job seems to be to stay, not go, and pull the levers. <laughs> <laughs> Francisco's the designated lever puller. Yeah, why couldn't she go with them too? I mean, (laughs) yeah, just for some, just for some time together, some family time, you know. I guess Adam Uh, had some other stuff he needed. He needed her to do. Yeah. Adam's like in in this job. We are not a family. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we cut back to Claude, the Claudias in 2020, the Council right, of Claudias. Right. <laughs> Impeccable Claudia tells Raggedy Claudia that Adam <laughs> tells. <laughs> Sorry, that's Sorry, great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Impeccable Claudia tells Raggedy Claudia that Adam can never be allowed to untie the knot. She hands her the sick Mundus journal. Claudia will lead Jonas, Noah, and Elizabeth. The two of them, being the two Claudias, will make Mm -hmm. sure everything is preserved. 
Impeccable Claudia now takes a golden sphere out of her pocket, the same as Altmarta had. They will see each other again. Just follow the directions in the journal. Raggedy <laughs> Claudia is shaken up. <laughs> the vibe is shaken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, like impeccable. That's Eva's world. That's for women. That's the woman's world. <laughs> Raggedy. That's the man's world, Adam's world, where guys don't care about their appearance. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's consistent with these worlds. <laughs> yeah, we had, and I also was thinking there's a bit of mirroring here too as well, because in season two, we had older Claudia give middle-aged mm -hmm. Claudia pretty much the same instructions. Right. You know, just follow the directions that I've given you. And then she ends <laughs> up going home and, and burying. Well, she unburies the suitcase time machine that was buried in her mm -hmm. yard. I mean, so. this is already um, given viewers like a chance to say, even rewatching from this point, if you go back and rewatch some of the, the moves that older Claudia is doing, in seasons one and two, it's tied in with what's happening here and what mm -hmm. her mission is here. So, um, yeah, again, it's just a real neat explanation of Claudia. This is like our Claudia explanation episode. So uh, maybe that's why I like this. So I like Claudia, whether she's raggedy or impeccable. <laughs> All <laughs> oh, right. Somebody, so, yeah. Again, oh, like somebody ahead. gave me crap. I can say this now too, because I can't say this about, um, the other character I wanted to say about Tanhouse, I mean, HG Tanhouse, but yeah, with Claudia, like, just like I do on our goofy boards, I will sometimes just post something. And I posted, a I love Claudia post where I made us, I had a song about Claudia and like, just had a bunch of pictures of Claudia. And then like, you know, somebody like hate bombed it and was like, Claudia sucked like she, uh, you know, like gave out a bunch of reasons why Claudia sucked and how she perpetuated the cycle and she was Adam's puppet. And I'm like, just relax, just in, in <laughs> enjoy the vibe of Claudia. I'm, <laughs> you don't have to, you hmm. know, rain on my parade that I like Claudia. Well, Steve, why didn't you yeah. make this awesome Claudia post in um, the Facebook group? I think I did, as a matter of fact, before you were the moderator. Just go back about a year. It's there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hope my... I don't see any life in my line. <laughs> I hope my my sound is coming through. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I hear you, and I can I see the life. Okay. You're alive. Because like, I see, like, <laughs> on, on my screen, I see Steve B. I see, like, lots of strong heartbeats happening, and my line, I'm like deadline <laughs> what are they flatline really <laughs> yeah oh that's bad i hope we're okay let's uh yeah i'm trusting cross our fingers and hope so yeah. this, is, this has been a good conversation so i hope it's <laughs> <laughs> i hope it's on the record <laughs> uh, all right so marta two and Jonas walk toward the caves marta asks Jonas, what if there can be only one world the two stand across from each other marta is on the left Jonas on the right the camera begins to move clockwise around the pair. Normally, I don't note camera movements in my recaps, but this is so, like, this perspective is so great. I felt like I had mm -hmm. to try to describe it. Um, the camera begins... Good, go ahead. Yeah, you did a good job of describing it because I noticed it too 
like during my first watch, like how it like circled around them. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, good yeah. call. The camera begins to move clockwise around the pair. Now Jonas is on the left, mirrored from before. Marta recognizes that Jonas decided long ago what he would choose. Jonas tries to defend himself. I didn't want any of this. You have to believe me. Marta doesn't believe he didn't want any of this. What about last night? Jonas says, this is wrong. I'm wrong here. She kisses him passionately and he returns the kiss with equal vigor. Marta's kiss is an invite for Jonas to reconsider. He could stay here. The two of them can be together in this world. She moves back and the spell is broken and she moves Mm. away first this time. Yeah, this was a good um, Jonas and Martha kiss. I remember like the one time they kissed back in season one. It was a very bad one. Um, This one was a very good one. I have to give it to him. I felt it. Um, (laughs) And again, they went into this whole thing, like just like the beginning of the episode where the dude was like, you know, what is death? What happens when we die? And they do that here too. What is truth? Like, I felt like it was like a Pontius Pilate moment, like from Jesus Christ Superstar, where like they start to question things like truth and death in the middle of the trial. Uh, that's what it reminded me of anyway. It was like, this was like, this scene like took me into two uh, musicals, two musical worlds. Jesus Christ Superstar, because of the truth thing. And then Sweeney Todd, because have you seen Sweeney Todd? Are you familiar with the story? I've seen it. Yes. Okay. So like the whole play, spoiler alert for Sweeney Todd, for the end of the play, Sweeney Todd, that's been out for like 20, 30 years. Um, So there's like two lovers that loved each other. They're separated for 15 years. Then they're back hanging out with each other in each other's town, but they don't recognize each other. And so like Jonas, Jonas and Martha, are like the exact opposite of that. They feel their connection like throughout separate worlds. Like they have like that. I don't know what I would say is like a classic love connection and like where they kind of like feel the vibe of the other person. And, um, you know, a lot of these same themes are also in my show, Wheel of Time, the books, Wheel of Time. There's a lot of the same stuff where, like, I feel you from another age, from 100 years ago, we were together. And then, like, so, like, when I was watching Sweeney Todd, we went and saw that um, at Charlotte School a couple nights ago. You know, I was already spoiled to it. So this is, like, the second time seeing Sweeney Todd. So I was like, he doesn't recognize her at all. Like, they didn't, they never loved each other. They <laughs> Sweeney and Lucy never had a connection. They didn't care about each other. So that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this was like, I like their like otherworldly love connection. I'm, I'm into that kind of thing. Sweeney Todd, I was mad. Yeah. Lots of great mirroring here to the whole um, we're wrong, except for, this time, you know, it's still Jonas saying it, but in World One, he said it to Marta because he found out she's his aunt. And right. then here it's like, you're just the wrong Marta, oh. you know, the wrong Marta in this world. 
And so it's in either case, though, it's Marta who's trying to convince him or get him to remember like their love through the kiss and, you know, trying to awaken that. And I think this is definitely a moment where they're playing up the tragedy, like the Greek, the tragedy of Greek mythology here, because. Okay. um, Because there's this is a pivotal moment, right? Like they he could stay. He doesn't have to go in and keep on this path just like. Sure. Um, you know, Noah, when older Noah told younger Noah, like, you have to become me one day, like, you know, <laughs> younger Noah could have been like, no, I'm going to go off and have a happy life and <laughs> not and right. not do this. Like, Marta's, she's just like, what if we can only choose one world? We could pick this world. We could be together. And she's kind of just trying to say, like, pick me. She doesn't say that, but that's. <laughs> what she's doing and ultimately she can see like he's not going to and it's really powerful Mm. how she walks off this time leaving him whereas he he's the one that's always he's rushing up just like an Ulrich thing you know like he just (laughs) rushes off and then she follows and this time she's like "Mm -mm, I'm leaving first and then he has to follow her Hmm. okay yeah yeah I'm with you there. I like that. Yeah. And I think that's why they did so much camera work. But like, this is kind of a moment, you know, in the show. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I I lost my train of thought. So we'll move on to the next one. Yeah. (laughs) You're trying not, you're trying to hold back the tears and I don't blame you. All right. So (laughs) we now have another moment, another moment coming up. Oh boy. Okay, set I'll set up straight. Yeah. We warp to World <laughs> One. It's nineteen eighty-seven. Helene walks home from work wearing a pink coat. She's wearing the St. Christopher pendant. She notices Katerina following her home. Not a scaredy cat. She demands to know what Katerina wants. And I say that because she was sort of like turning around and running away from Katarina and she finally just stops and says, no, forget this. I'm just going to be like, what do you want? <laughs> and yeah, it's the right approach. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's also like, we know where Katarina gets it from, you know, that she's uh, that brave. <laughs> sure. Yep. Katarina tries to threaten her with a knife, demanding the key card. However, this is not the Katarina we have seen before. She looks terrified. Helene can see this. Anyone with the predator instincts of an abuser can see when someone attacks with conviction. Mm-hmm. Katarina did not look this way when she attacked Regina or Hannah. Yeah, the definite reason is because she's still terrified of her mother after all these years. It's mm-hmm. like hardwired into her DNA. Yeah. Helene feels like she knows Katarina from somewhere. The two of them begin to scuffle. Katarina reaches for her bag. Helene manages to bend Katarina's wrist back. On instinct, she calls her mama. Helene steps back, horrified. She <laughs> runs away from Katarina, and Katarina trips and loses her knife. She still catches up to Helene, though. The two fight, and Katarina hits her in the head with a rock. 
She rummages in her mom's bag for the key card, but she makes a fatal flaw, turning her back on her mom and dropping her weapon. Hasn't she seen any horror movies? You never drop the weapon and you never turn your back on a body. <laughs> well, this is 1950-something, so not a lot of horror movies have been out yet. Oh, it's the 1980s, Steve. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, okay, 86. You're right. So, yeah, yeah they, they have seen Halloween mm -hmm. by now. Yeah. Helene uses a moment to get to her feet and attacks Katerina from behind. I'm not your mother. You come from hell. The devil sent you. You're not real. I got rid of you. She believes Katerina is the ghost of her aborted daughter. That's a crazy turn of events. Like when Katerina slipped up and called her mom and then the lady was like, lady being Helene, you know, kind of gave her that look. You know, at first I thought like, oh, she like, you know, she's. I don't know, thinking maybe this is like a relative of hers or something. But then she comes up with this crazy theory, which ties in with the last episode we saw. Mm. And it's wild. It's consistent with her character. And I just not, I would not have gone there. I, my mind would not have gone there. <laughs> um, it was a real neat turn of events. I mean, neat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice phrasing. Neat <laughs> as continue. in, I think you mean neat as in like, whoa. Yeah, like it's a, a tidy turn of events. Yes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. This this moment when Ekaterina kind of, she grabs this like little pocket knife or almost, mm -hmm. um, it almost looks like one of those exacto knives you use to cut a box, like a box cutter or something. Yeah. She takes that and threatens her with a knife. And says, like, I want the key card, but she looks terrified that part. The the way she looks is almost looks like she's holding a stick and and doing like she's a Harry Potter student and <laughs> sort of like doing a spell with a stick. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 not good and it's not like it's not what we would expect of our Katarina, but that's how we know mm -hmm. how powerful her mother's hold is on her because of how right. scared she looks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, um, so she had, you know, in the last episode, yes, she had an abortion and she might've actually had multiple, more than one abortion. I think we were speculating. So yes. it's, yeah. Okay. So she attacks Katerina with a rock in the tussle. Katerina pulls the St. Christopher pendant off of her mother's neck, the patron saint of travelers, the thing that sustained her mother through a dark time. This scene between Katerina and her mother is one of the most disturbing moments of the show. And to be honest, this entire episode is pretty traumatic. As the dark descends, Helene fills Katerina's backpack with rocks and drags her body to the lake. Katerina's dead hand loosens, leaving the St. Christopher pendant behind and Katerina is the lady in the lake, the person who the teens talk about on their perfect summer day. That's what's neat. <laughs> it's all neat and tidy. Yeah, they talked about this like in episode three or four, I think. The lady in the lake. And they were talking about their mom who was killed by their grandma. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't Which know. Which they didn't the, know. The whole, yeah. <laughs> Repeat that. 
I just said, which they didn't know that, that it was their mom or their grandma, right? <laughs> no, why would they ever yeah. think that? Because their <laughs> mom was alive. Um, yeah, that's... It's, it's the perfect crime, really, for somebody to travel back in time and then, like, somebody kills them and then hides their body. Because nobody's going to be looking for them because they're a time traveler. So they're already kind of missing as it is. So this is like the perfect crime that Helena, she didn't mean to do it. This is a self-defense crime. I mean, she went all in on it, but mm -hmm. it was still self-defense. But I mean, she, you know, she buried the body, so to speak, you know, filled it with rocks or whatever. I mean, she's lucky um, <laughs> little Tront didn't come up because this, Oh, that's right. This is not the fifties. You keep reminding me this. <laughs> I was thinking this is the same lake that Tron likes to hang out at, but it's, it, it, is. it is, but it's yeah. different time frame. Wow. Though this, I mean, she killed her thinking that she was like her aborted daughter. Mm -hmm. Really? She was her real daughter, not aborted yeah. daughter. So her real daughter levels. Yeah, that she abused and, and the necklace too, like, um, I was trying to trace the necklace cause now we're, we're start, starting to see like the beginnings and the end of the necklace too. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to think like, you know, it, it was dropped here and then, um, Martha picked it up like 30 some years later. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> I'm just trying to think where the actual beginning of this necklace would be then. Uh, the beginning was um, Egon giving it to Hannah. Egon gave it to Hannah. Hannah gave it to Helena. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's simple. Yeah. I was thinking, how did Katarina get it? It was just happenstance. She grabbed it in the scuffle. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, I was trying to figure out how it got around Katarina's neck, but that's not the case. Steve's mm -hmm. wrong. <laughs> and then um, after, you know, Marta picks it up, her and Jonas just play backsies <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And, and it ends up back in the past, you know, so. Um, yeah, this whole thing is all bootstrapped away. It's like. Yeah. Trip, triple bootstrapped. Um. And done in such a great way, too. Like how it transcends all three seasons of the show. Like this was the plan all along. It's not like Lost where they were kind of making up the show as they were going. Mm -hmm. And they would like bring up stuff like the smoke monster. But then like, oh, we don't know about it. I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> they, they, they brought up a lot of stuff they didn't really answer later on. So I mm -hmm. really appreciate that like this was well thought out and well executed. Yeah. And not only is it they talked about the lady in the lake, but the person who finds this pendant is Marta, and it's her mother, you know, it's a sign of her mother's traumatic murder. And here the symbol is St. Christopher, and it's little Helene was talking about, it's wonderful to think about somebody carrying you. And mm. Helene okay. ends up carrying Katarina's body to be sunk in the lake. <laughs> and 
not the kind of caring anybody wants, <laughs> but um, still kind of a, a ooh, <laughs> like needle drop in a way, like <laughs> that. That um, you know, it was a symbol for Helene of this of this angel. Right. And this angel mm-hmm. that came to protect her in her moment of need. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, it's also a symbol of the traveling that she has done because it is the traveler and she's traveled through time. Yeah. To like, you know, be at this moment. Her mission failed. But nonetheless, I mean, I was kind of seeing the symbol as like a representation of travelers. I didn't see it as a representation of her murder, <laughs> but I mean, I, I I can't fault you for that perspective. Yeah. I don't know. I have so many thoughts, but okay. Yeah. I think I've said all I can say. Like, I mean, I mean the rest of my thoughts are unformed emotional thoughts right. where I'm just like, Oh, it's so terrible. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, wow, a lot. I'm thinking awesome a lot. (laughs) I mean, this was, I mean, a banger of an episode. This thing was, was lit and slapped. Just like I said. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we're not done yet, Steve. So let's continue. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) At the Conwald house, a taxi pulls up, letting Mikkel and Inez out. Mikkel stares at the house, especially at the window of his bedroom. He senses something is different. We are led to believe that he feels the connection of his mother's presence. Mm-hmm. Ever vigilant of her son's mood, Inez offers to make him hot chocolate, her drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> Mikkel notices the broken window pane where Katarina broke in. I love how this ties in with um, Claudia's explanation of time traveling too, how she said, like when you go into the tunnel, like you leave the cesium residue behind and mm. it kind of like loops things around and like Mikkel is kind of picking up the residue that his mom left behind, like the broken window, just maybe her whole vibe in the house. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of thought about that, that she was yeah. leaving her mom residue behind and he was picking it up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and yeah, I, I, he's always shown himself to be a very intuitive young man. Yes. Like he senses things more clearly than other people. So. Yeah, and that's pretty clear that tracks. here. Yeah. Meanwhile, across town, teen Katerina sits at the kitchen table doing her homework. Helene comes in and begins pounding a bottle of vodka. Katerina asks if she's okay. She notices the blood on Helene's clothes. Helene begins to vigorously wash her hands. Katerina gets up to comfort her mother, and her shirt reads Liebe, which means love. That's a nice touch there, that shirt, right? Yeah. And yeah, Katarina should know. Like, I was looking at like her where she was sitting at the table, mm-hmm. and like her mom comes in the house, like behind her. Mm-hmm. And you know, her mom has that habit of smacking her head. Mm-hmm. I would never sit there with my back to the door. 
I would yeah. always be facing the door with the table between me and mom. Yeah, well, that's how she died. She turned her back to her mother. Yeah, good call. Another turnaround. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. just sitting on the wrong side of the table right there is all it was. Yeah. But this is like the heart thing, heartbreaking thing about this, but is just that here's Katarina, and you know we we see she's gotten her head her head smacked from behind, but she still is wanting to comfort her mother. You know, she still yeah. tries to make that connection. Yes, that was clear. I like that. Helene looks grateful for a moment for the concern, but defaults to cruelty, attacking Katerina for a hickey she finds on her neck. She begins to beat Katerina, calling her a slut. Worst of all, she says, I should have gotten rid of you, too. Ooh. Katerina raises her arms to protect herself, but she can't protect herself from her mother's disgust. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, this was a really, really rough scene. Like, she's yeah. a monster. Helene is, looks like a monster, acts like a monster. Mm. She is a monster. And, yeah. like, turning this rage onto Katerina for absolutely no reason. Um, <laughs> doesn't she have any <laughs> repentance for her act that she just committed? And now she wants to beat her daughter on top of that? Mm -hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, like, the last episode, we see young Helene, and we're like, oh... Yeah. Young Helene. Maybe she's a nice girl. Nah. <laughs> a lot can happen between point A and point B. <laughs> That's true. And she was a child of a... We know that she was abused as a child. So she's real backwards mm -hmm. with her way of thinking, I guess. Yeah. She just doesn't even know how to respond when somebody shows her a kindness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so, yes, um, this not whole, yeah, not and she says, scene. yeah, she says, I should have gotten rid of you too, and she did. Yeah, we saved the worst for last, and yeah, she did. That's right, she did <laughs> end up doing that. She just got home from doing that. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to make that connection to me. Yeah, I just got home from killing you, so now I'm going to beat you to death, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, more awesomes, more wows going through my head, Lindsay. What do I do with this? <laughs> I don't know. This is just, this is, I guess this is why for me this episode is so heavy. So when you said you had fun, I was like, hmm, all right. Well, I mean, these... <laughs> These scenes are great. Yeah. I mean, you can't, I mean they're disturbing. It's a I don't great bit of storytelling. I mean, yeah, that's right. It gives you the feels, not the great feels, but you're feeling something. Mm -hmm. And you're getting to know these characters. I don't know. I, I Maybe I like um, am too like taken away with like young Peter and young Charlotte and some of these revelations that were made here and um the ending that we're getting ready to get to. Uh, I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a full bag. It's a full bag of emotions. <laughs> well, sometimes you can only say it with music. So now we have our montage. <laughs> yep. The track is In the Woods Somewhere by Hozier. I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> I know that song too, Steve. 
Yeah, this is a wild choice. So, I mean, I knew that this song was part of the show, um, but it's just really telling that this is a song that you and I decided that we were going to try to tackle. And so this whole past week, I've been actually for the past two weeks, I've been like playing this song over and over and over again, trying to get it just right. And then to see the song come up in this episode, that was another personal reason that this episode really spoke to me because this song came up and that you and I have been working on this song. And then here it is in this particular episode, it was another wow. Awesome. I can't believe it. Neato moment. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of the lyrics are cool. Like they talk about the Fox and we have Elizabeth in this episode and she's oh. our representative of the Fox, you know, with okay. her Fox hat. So there's just little, little tidbits connection. in the song. Um, one of the reasons that this song, um, I mean, I don't know this, this, I'm glad you chose this song for us to cover. I would not have chosen it. And I'm glad you chose it because it forced me to like, listen to the words a little bit more mm -hmm. and to get a little bit personal. I'm going to go on a little aside here on an okay. unpleasant story, but basically what this song is about long and short is a fellow finds a wounded animal in the woods and, um, puts it out of its misery, like an act of mercy. But then he kind of feels like there's an even stronger animal watching him. Does that sound about right? Do I have about the right? You know, I haven't looked at what I think the song is about. I've just looked at certain phrases, but go ahead. Like, okay. I don't, you don't need my well, that, permission. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, yeah. Okay. That's what I get. That's the, the what I just said. That's what I think. So Lindsay and I have been playing this song and I've just been playing it and playing it. And then when I finally decided to like, um, look at the lyrics while I was playing it to kind of chart the song out is when I realized what this song is about. This exact same thing happened to me here at my house, maybe like two years ago where, uh, we have a lot of trees, a lot of wildlife. A lot of squirrels. We have a lot of squirrels that live around, like about a dozen squirrels that live in our trees above our house. And so it's not uncommon to see squirrels scampering around. Um, I pull in the driveway one day, and when I get out of my car, what had happened is inadvertently I had run over a squirrel, but had only like run over his back half. And so when I got out of my car, what I could hear was the squirrel like hmm. yelling out, screaming. It was awful. And so when I go to see what it is and I see like a half crushed squirrel, it's not going to make it. It's back half is crushed and it's trying to like pull itself with its front two paws, not working. It's a, a horrible scene. And we have a bunch of rocks all around our driveway. I had to make the quick decision to put the squirrel out of its misery. It was one of the worst things I've ever had to do. Mm -hmm. I was sobbing. It was awful. It was terrible. And like the, this song like brought all those feelings back to me and like talking about it now brings it back to me. So this song like connects with me in a way that I'd never realized. Um, mm -hmm. I've always liked the mood of this song and the theme of it, but I've never really like 
brought it back around to myself and like, oh shit, <laughs> I kind of did this and I kind of felt the same way this guy does. Um, mm -hmm. It was, it was rough. So that's my little Steve tie-in story with in the woods somewhere. Yeah. Well, putting, putting that kind of in context with the show, um, mm -hmm. you know, we have, do we have people in the show that are being put out of their misery? Mm, well, there's definitely people get, people getting smashed with rocks. Yes. <laughs> that's what Hoosier says in the song. That's what I did with a squirrel. And that's what people are doing in the show. Yeah. Is it putting them out of their misery? No. Like today we saw self-defense. Mm -hmm. In Ulrich's case, maybe. Maybe in Ulrich's case with um young Helge because he didn't really want to do that but he felt like he was doing the right thing that's true but yeah they didn't use it in that episode <laughs> nope they um, did not they used it in this one <laughs> yeah I mean the whole episode between Helene and her mother did happen in the woods um so there's that kind of connection with the nature and um, I don't yeah, see like a direct tie-in though, other than like with the, this song is really mournful and sorrowful sounding in this episode. A lot of mm -hmm. <laughs> mournful stuff happened. Well, maybe it's about the scene that we're getting coming up, but let's, I let's guess, try it let's out. talk about our montage first to see what are the scenes we're seeing in the montage. We okay. see the St. Christopher pendant on the beach. Ulrich waits for a Katarina that will never come. So we mm. have the older Ulrich waiting at the at the front door as mm -hmm. she asked him to. <laughs> Charlotte in World 2 looks at Ulrich's empty office. H.G. Tanhouse looks at the photo of him and Charlotte. She comes home saying nothing. Teen Peter arrives at Helge's cabin. Meanwhile, in 2020, Peter is dead in the RV. In World 2, Peter sits near a sleeping Elizabeth. In World 1, Elizabeth sits in the caves. Teen Noah finds her. Claudia reads the journal she gave herself. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have much to say about the montage other than that I always love the music montages and they never <laughs> disappoint. Mm -hmm. We do have the origin of... Elizabeth and Noah. Oh yeah, yep. She shows yeah, here up. Here we go. They're going to start fox, hanging out. The fox <laughs> shows up <laughs> at the cave, and <laughs> she had this was the only other connection she had since the rest of the people in the bunker scattered to the winds and didn't stick together. <laughs> this is that's her only choice. She knew he was in the cave, so she goes there for mm -hmm. a safe, quote unquote, place. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. Yeah. And yeah, something we um we were chatting about in our group text is uh we noticed like in Dark, a lot of the songs they use or all the songs they use in this montage are fairly recent. Um, I think the oldest one we found is like 2010, that like Peter Gabriel song. Mm -hmm. Whereas in 1899, they were more into like doing like classic cuts from the sixties and seventies and eighties. So, you know, I thought that was a kind of neat turn for them. What I could see they're trying, what they're trying to do here in this show is to like, you know, showcase like newer, um, more underground artists. 
it was 1899. They just went balls to the wall. I'm like, let's get some Black Sabbath and some Beatles in here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, another, just another shot thing um, that I think is worth mentioning because we're we're getting ready to enter into our final lap here <laughs> around the sun of this episode. <laughs> um, we have the, you know, the mother Helene with the rock hitting. Mm-hmm over the head she raises her right arm that's the same arm like Ulrich raised the arm right arm to bash Helge in the head we've got Elizabeth with the fire extinguisher over her right shoulder and then in 1899 we had um the character Tove Tove um who is she bashing she in she, um, the guy who was trying to assault her. Right. Okay. Yeah, with a rock. Yeah. Yep. So I, when 1899, before it came out, you know, they had the trailer and I had made a, I guess you call it a meme, but it was more like a visual comparison of those four shots together. And it was, it's kind of a cool thing. That's just, that's like a visual Signature in a Bo and Yantia piece is like, <laughs> you know, the bashing <laughs> always happens on the right side. So, yeah. I guess if it was in World 2, the bashing might happen on the left side. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. It's better. <laughs> All right. So, we warp back to World 2, Eva's world and Eva's lair. Jonas and Marta 2 arrive at Eret Lux, the family tree visible. Marta wonders where they are. They look at the painting of Adam and Eva. Older Eva arrives. This is Marta's first chance to see her final future self. She's only seen stranger Marta so far. Oh, that's right. Okay. Eva says, and so it begins again. So if Jonas um, had thoughts about throwing her off guard, it didn't work. Yeah. Jonas accuses her of lying. He wonders if it's true they can only save one world, and he wants to go home now. Eva has a scratch on her left cheek. Eva tells him flat out that there is no return for him. She says a human being lives three lives. The first one ends with a loss of naivety, the second with a loss of innocence, and the third with the loss of life itself. Yours, yours ends here and now. Damn, <laughs> this is some Adam stuff again, right? Like she's totally being Adam, mm-hmm. walking this is in a with a cryptic from his, phrase uh, from his playbook because he said the same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's in the. I guess it's in that journal. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you say to Jonas. <laughs> um, in walks Stranger Marta. Eva says that Jonas has accomplished what he came to do. Marta too protests that they have accomplished nothing. In walks Alt-Marta. She has both a small gash on her right cheek and a big gap on her left cheek, indicating that this is what will turn into Eva. Mm -hmm. She is what will turn into Eva. Marta too says, who are you? Alt-Marta looks defiant and feral. She apologizes, then shoots Jonas. It's so abrupt. It's very abrupt. <laughs> Again, mirroring the Adam shooting Martha. Mm-hmm. 
Except Adam didn't look apologetic in the least. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> but it was abrupt. <laughs> That's the one thing they have in common. Yeah. Yeah, visually this um this alt Marta, you know, is just it's very no noticeable. She comes in and it's it's like when we saw the alt Marta in the 1888 time period. And I mm -hmm. was trying to tell explain to you how I felt about how she was acting and that she was sort of this agent in chaos. And you were like, oh, yeah, she wasn't that bad. And I was saying, like, oh. it was just the way she looked. She looked like she was on guard all the time and just looking around the room. And this is almost like that same thing, but jacked up 10 times. She's just shaking and... You know, she comes in the room and she's got this look on her face like, you know, she doesn't want to do it, but she's going to. And then the other Marta is. It's just really cool. She says, like, who are you like? <laughs> and they both just look really scared. But the alt Marta, the one that shoots Jonas ultimately. Is just animalistic the way she's acting. Right. Yep. And yeah, you've already mentioned that um, Martha too protests and like, we haven't accomplished anything yet. Right. Um, but I think it's clear now what they did accomplish, which was just simply Jonas being in her world and them hooking up. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they mentioned that in this episode, but it seems like, you know, that's what was accomplished by him coming. He showed her the future and then they had sex. So that's not nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I guess for Marta too, she's saying, when she's saying yeah. nothing, she's saying we've done nothing to stop the apocalypse or save anybody. Yes. Whereas Eva's like, well, no, that's you did okay, save, okay. you did save something, you saved our world, you know. But that's not immediately clear, though, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel <laughs> like a good ending. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, Marta too sobs and tries to stop the bleeding. It's a perfect mirror to when Jonas saw Marta shot. He lays his hand on her cheek as. He dies. Alt Marta walks out without another word. Jonas places the St. Christopher pendant in Marta 2's hands, and Marta 2 promises to make it right. Yeah, this is um the first time I watched this show, and then I got to this episode. This death of this Jonas made so much sense to me. Because it was always in the back of my head. Like, why doesn't Stranger Jonas remember any of this stuff? He's supposed mm -hmm. to, you know, he lived yeah. it. This is exactly why Stranger Jonas never experienced this. He time traveled and skipped this part. So, like, this episode answered. Uh, I mean, that was a big question that I remember at the time that was bothering me. Like, I was racking my brain trying to figure this out. And this was a, was a good answer for that. Not the answer I wanted, but it explains it. 
Yeah, I mean, so many, so many people, I think, were, when they were watching this, they were like, oh, Jonas's memories have just been tampered with. He just forgot. Like, the, the, the fact that, the fact that there mm. would have been a Jonas that died never dawned on anybody. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. he's the main character. It's like... It's like uh, Marion Crane dying in Psycho in the shower. You know, like, <laughs> this is not done. Right. You can't kill Jonas. It's like Ned Stark dying early <laughs> on in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> or what is that movie? That was The Hurt Locker, where they had, wasn't that they had, like, George Clooney was, like, in the first scene of The Hurt Locker, and it's like, oh, he's going to be the star of the movie. And, like, he's, like, the first person to die, like, in the first five minutes. Hmm. But yeah, this is um yeah, Jonas. Oh, and our our viewers can't see this because I'm looking at your website here, but you got a nice picture of um Jonas with the family tree. He's laying in the center where that infinity symbol is, so it looks mm -hmm. like angel wings. And we know that Jonas is an angel, so this <laughs> ties in cuz remember his mom's an angel. She whisked in and was an angel to Helene, so this definitely ties in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do you... How do you, what do, how what do we get, how do we end this, Steve? I don't know what to I don't do. know. That, I was going to, I was going to ask you some more questions. Um, I'm not okay, sure. Ask like, me some questions. <laughs> how do you feel? <laughs> no, um... This is not a question, it's an observation. Maybe like one of our last jumping points. Mm -hmm. Four Marthas. Now that's <laughs> that's bizarre because yeah. we have the uh, the two worlds. So we're used to seeing two people. And then we're introduced to like three people, which kind of makes sense. Old, middle, young. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now we got four of them. We yeah. got this old, young, middle-aged Martha. But then there's two young Marthas. And it's like, what are y'all doing? And... Mm -hmm. We're not going to know that until later, but yeah. it's, it's just really neat. They have these two Marthas so closely related, very mirroring. I just realized the two Jonases from world, um, world one, our favorite episode, deja vu. You had like the, the young, innocent Jonas running around. And then you had the six month older Jonas with the new scar on his neck running around. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like that same situation. You had like a Jonas and then an alt Jonas. Now we've got a Marta and an alt Martha. Does that make any sense or am I just grasping at straws? <laughs> no, there's, I mean, there's definitely some mirror coming in, but exactly what that mirroring is, is, could be a point of, could be a point of discussion. Um, but which is, which is why, and I think I was, I think we talked about this last episode. For me, like I've always been, Marta's timeline is perhaps maybe even more confusing than Jonas's <laughs> um, because we never have four Jonas's, although. Uh -oh. um... Okay, Lindsay, we're back. We had a little snafu there, but we were talking about how, yeah, there seems to be more Martha's than Jonas's, <laughs> right? Isn't that the point we were trying to make? Well, that's definitely the point that I'm trying to make. <laughs> right. um, 
Like there's much more, I feel like the Marta journey has more loopholes and entry points mm-hmm. than the Jonas journey. Um, well, think yeah. about this with me here. We got, we got Adam and Eva. Okay. We yeah. got stranger Jonas. We got stranger Marta. Mm-hmm. Then we have regular Jonas and then we have regular Martha. <laughs> Which one's regular? <laughs> Oh, okay. We got world. We got world one Jonas, okay. and then we have the other world one Jonas, who's like six months older and has been hung and has gone to the future. So there's actually four Jonases, just like there's four Marthas. Actually, there's five Marthas. There's Martha World One, Martha World Two, Alt Martha World Two, Stranger Martha, then Eva. So, yeah, there is one extra Martha than there is Jonas's. Yeah, because Jonas is, there's kind of two Jonas's at one point, but it's not different mm-hmm. Jonas's. They're just different. Um, it's just, they're in a different time. Um, those, But those Jonas's made the same decisions, whereas we haven't seen the Marta journey yet, but there are Martas that make different decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll have to just have to get to it when we yeah. get to it. We'll have to get to it when we get to it. <laughs> but yeah, there was lots of there's lots of um lots lots of doubling. We've got like all these Martas. We have the Jonases and there's like how can there be a stranger Jonas if Jonas dies? I think that was a question I put in the recap. Um yes. <laughs> which hasn't exactly been solidified yet, but hopefully soon. And then we also have the double Claudia's. And I think that the, gets I think, confusing. I think this stranger Jonas thing kind of does make perfect sense here. Because uh, this is not the time to theorize that, is it? <laughs> but, <laughs> it's not. It's not. I, I really do think it is kind of wrapped up, but maybe we'll see some more clues later on. But it seems to me like it, it, it this helped me understand stranger Jonas. Maybe I'm backwards in my way of thinking, <laughs> mm-hmm. but here at the tail end of the episode, Lindsay, we're going to talk about our favorites and our least favorites. And I wrote mine down. I'm already decided. I decided before we even started recording. Cause I pre thought about this at work today. Um, oh, so I'm ready to go. How about you? Have you thought about your favorites and least favorites this week? I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Um, but I think I have my, I I think I definitely have my least favorite ready. Okay. So why don't you start with your least favorite? Okay, sure. You could say, you know, the, 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 the weird dude in the trailer would be like, you know, that's the least favorite scene of dark. So I'm just going to say that's my least favorite scene. He's not my least favorite character this episode, even though he deserves it. Maybe Eva deserves it too. I don't know. We don't know much. But Helene definitely has exhibited some signs of least favorite character. Like she murdered someone and then she abused someone. And <laughs> then she told somebody they, they wish she'd aborted them. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think it's a hands down Helene hate fest this episode. <laughs> Um, are you with me or are you against me? Yes, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I don't, I really don't know who else it could be. Those other people that you mentioned never even entered the foray. I mean, Isaac Dentler, <laughs> he's on the screen 
he's on the screen a little too long for what it, what his character did. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> we don't know him enough. We just know he's a he's a grade A, a grade A, um, a grade J jerk. Um, <laughs> so yes, Helene is pretty awful, and she deserves our unadulterated hate. Yes. <laughs> Despite her her childhood of abuse, also my least my least favorite my my most favorite. Uh, I don't know if this is like an honorable mention, and I've given him my favorite before, and I've always talked about how I like his sweaters a lot. But um, got to give Peter a send off here. Um, you know, he acted up, like you said, he was a good dad protecting his daughter. We got to meet him as a young Peter. I've been waiting for this scene for a long time. And I was rewarded handsomely. I mean, that was a great scene with him and young Charlotte. So I'm going with Peter this episode. How about you? Well, I hate to be boring, but I also wrote down Peter. So oh my that's gosh. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for all the same reasons, you know, I just, I, I, I just respect what he did at the end, even though I, I think he's always been kind of, I don't know, for me, he's kind of like a dead fish type, you know, he just doesn't, seem to have much energy or <laughs> That's true. doesn't seem to do much, but you know, when it comes to his kids, he loves them. So with that being, with it being so dull and us having the exact same thing, <laughs> do we have any honorable mentions for favorite or least favorite? Well, I gave, I gave Eva my honorable mention for least favorite. Cause I think she orchestrated this whole Jonas like round robin with Martha situation. So she, she's my honorable mention for least favorite. Okay. Okay. Um, oh yeah. So my other honorable mention for favorite okay. is going to be Marta two. Wait, which one? <laughs> the raincoat one, the raincoat Marta. Yeah. Okay. So okay. She's, I feel like, I really feel for her this episode. Um, you know, she's trying to get Jonas. He's hard-headed as all get out. And she's trying <laughs> to awake, try to wake him up emotionally. You know, and we have to go back to the fact that, you know, Jonas came and interrupted her life. And then he kind of gave her the run, has been giving her the runaround. And... Yeah, and then she gets she gets drug into this situation. And yeah, I just I liked her acting. I guess most of all, I really liked the scene outside of the cave before they go into the cave and she's Okay, yeah. Throw, you know, she really throws her whole self into that moment. She's like, "Here's my last shot," you know, at convincing Jonas we don't have to do this. And I just I thought she did um a really good job playing up the tragedy of that moment. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Like I thought that, um, I mean, she stood out to me that moment for the same reason too. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that moment took me away. It didn't the, uh, like the, the scene that it mirrored did not take me away, but this one did. So she did succeed. So mm -hmm. I guess I do like this Martha a little bit better than the other Martha. <laughs> Perhaps. And um, then maybe like we could also say we could also throw a bone, I think, to Teen Elizabeth. Um, everything she had to go through this episode. Oh, heck yeah, heck yeah. 
there was an aside I wanted to make at some point. There was at one point somebody called somebody else not a real person. Do you remember that? Oh, it was Helene, our least favorite person. She she was saying that um Katarina was not real. That's mm-hmm. what she said at one point. Yeah. And um me and Heather are watching Secession right now, and that's something that they were just talking about that these rich billionaires consider other people. They call them um, exactly that, not real people, NRPs. And they use that um, acronym when they're talking about people that aren't important. People like you and me, they would call us not real people because they're like, oh, like, you know, I happen to like sexually assault this person. Oh, they're not a real, they're, they're an NRP, no big deal. So- wow. That's what that's what this kind of reminded me of. It took me back to the secession era. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean to wow you there, but <laughs> I did. No, <laughs> no that's like I was like I kind of want to go. Man, they wouldn't do that, right? Like they'd see, they'd meet Steve and I, and think we we're pretty cool people because we have this podcast. You know, maybe right. we would be RP, real people. I would hope so. <laughs> But I mean, I've seen evidence <laughs> with Kendall and Roman and Logan Roy, and they just don't see people yeah. on the same level, you know, unless you're I'm a billionaire. Su- it makes, I'm kind of surprised. I was like, you know, in, in the video game world, they call that NPC, non-player mm-hmm. character. Non-playable character. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I wonder why they made up a new, a brand new term for the same concept. I think I know it's, it's a little bit different, it. but <laughs> I think it's I think it's the same concept actually. I think it's I think it's meant to be the same along the same lines. Yeah. But enough about secession. Just another show that I'm watching. Lindsay, did you have any plugs for this week? Or anything uh you want to point yeah. people to? Um nothing new out this week, but I am working on a Nothing that's new out that's ready, but I am working on a double feature review of Maestro and May December, which are both going to be on Netflix. So I'll be mm-hmm. posting a podcast review of those two movies. Uh, if I haven't mentioned already, Godzilla Minus One is an amazing mm-hmm. movie that I think I did mention it last week, but I'll mention it again. It fi- Godzilla get, Minus One. Five stars on Yeah, Letterboxd. five stars. <laughs> Definitely see that one. Right on. Yeah, it's a Christmas time thing. That's a, it's a perfect movie for Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you got nothing to do on Christmas Day, that's something my family used to do: is go see movies on Christmas Day. We haven't done that in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Plugs for me? Don't really have any. Want to give a shout out, of course, to Tash and Dylan. Um, they're always saying hi and reaching out to us. Most recently. Dylan reaffirmed that he he likes the fact that we have fun when we're talking about um, these dark things on our podcast. Um, that's something that he said in his, his most recent message to me, that he appreciates the fun that we have on Mike, and I appreciate it too. That's why I do it. Um. <laughs> I think Dylan also said he's looking forward to our musical performances, especially. So. Oh yeah, Dylan. You know it's been revealed now in the woods somewhere. <laughs> coming up, twenty twenty four. And yeah, Lindsay, I think you suggested me putting a little track on the on the podcast. I'm not ready for that yet. So <laughs> we'll mm. give the people some good stuff when it's a little little more well mixed. Okay. Yeah, but until then, though, Lindsay, um, 
I'll hopefully be seeing you next week. We'll talk about our schedule when we get off the air here. But thank you again for joining me, and thank you for giving me this uh, this recap of this episode. Hope you have a good evening, Lindsay. Thank you, Steve. Hope you find plenty of water and shade. Oh, I will. I always do. And I hope the listeners also find that water and shade. And shoes. Bye. Bye.